what's good and welcome back to another episode of podcast more life today we welcome special guest sarah newton sarah newton is a young professional who has generated an extremely successful career in the advertising agency space working for the third largest advertising holding group in the world as the head of the social buying department of verizon sarah is responsible for over 24 young people with different individual professional and emotional needs Not only this, Sarah is responsible for over $100 million in advertising spend. She's also the founder of Alice Black Media, a small advertising and social media marketing company. Sarah doesn't know how to slow down. Running multiple businesses, she's a master of multiple streams of income and doesn't shy away from it. Join us as we discuss building a team and fostering the right culture for personal and professional development. Moreover, join us as we discuss the power of self-awareness and believing in yourself and your team. Learn why fortune favors the bold, how showing teeth can bring you more business, and why self-awareness is so key in this episode with Sarah Newton. Without further ado, let's dive on in. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the podcast More Life. Today, I am sitting down and chatting with Sarah Newton. Uh, Sarah, can you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself uh, to our audience and listeners here? Yeah, hey. So, I'm Sarah. I'm 30. Um, I'm a young working professional, currently the VP and social media practice lead at um, the third largest ad agency in the world. Um, and I, Woo-woo. you know, there I'm I'm leading a social practice, um, leading a lot of the young people there, um, and our Verizon business. Amazing. So first and foremost, um, I love, I love that you're just like straight up open and honest about the age there. What's, what's it like to be 30? What, what did you learn in your twenties and maybe, you know, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were 21? Yeah. Um, well, I just celebrated my 30th birthday last month, so I think I'm still on that high of, like, a new decade. So I'm not sure how much longer I'll be volunteering that information, but, <laughs> um, I'm currently excited. Um, I feel like I've, I've really learned, um, patience in, in a way where it counts, so not for everything, but, um, kind of, like, what is important to have patience towards and also what's important to push on and not really just be patient through and accept. So I feel like I wish I could have told my 21 year old self, like, yeah, leave that alone, but, but push on that. Don't be so patient with waiting for someone else or the answer you're getting. Definitely. I, I love how you mentioned too. you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, holding on to like keeping your emotions and don't not being afraid to, to show your teeth. Can you speak a bit more about like, where that that mindset came from uh, obviously that that had to have developed quite a bit more uh in in your 20s and and uh you know just being independent kind of having to, to be a go-getter and make it out on your own in the world yeah um so i think i i learned how to show teeth from my mother who is um, in our family, we joke, her title is Miss Corporate America. Um, <laughs> so I was exposed to a lot of what she did. Um, she worked out of the home, and she ran large teams across the entire nation for, for big brands. So I think I got exposed to what showing your teeth was from her. And then I think through my 20s, when I was rising in different advertising agencies, you're kind of you're kind of conflicted, like, oh, do I roll with the punches and just, like, kind of drink the Kool-Aid, or do I 
do I stand up and say something here? Do I disagree when everyone is in agreement and things like that? Um, so I feel like how that manifests in my day-to-day at work now is, is exactly that. So, like, there'll be times at work where someone is, you know, saying something should be a certain way when either it's not their call or they just, they're new and they don't have the experience. So it's really kind of my way of showing teeth in a way that's not aggressive, but, you know, showing teeth, standing up for something yeah. or disagreeing or just having an, an opinion that is to be heard is, is kind of what I mean by that. Definitely. And so how do you how do you do that or how do you go about showing teeth, let's say, per se, when, um, you know, you're, you're dealing with that the client management, you know, you, you've got a relationship with a client and maybe the client thinks they know best, but but they don't. And you're trying to uh, you know, you're you're trying to provide them that that kind of that insight and that consultation. How do you how do you work through a relationship like that? Yeah, that's bad. Um I feel like in order to show teeth successfully and let it land successfully to a client, you have to have that relationship first. Um, Definitely. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we both work in business. We both have clients. Like, if, you know, they're not your best friends, but if they get a feel for you, they know your vibe, they know you're hardworking, they trust you and your opinion, then when you do show teeth and you're, you're kind of challenging them, and not just being a yes person because they are paying you for a service. They they actually really appreciate it. It's the craziest thing. Absolutely. And so you know, I, I want to dive a little bit into um, you know your your personal brand as well. So because uh, I'm guessing you know with the the third largest uh, advertisement holding group. You know, you're kind of working with a distinct um, group of clientele with with a lot of money. And so on a personal brand side, I'm sure you can kind of take in or, you, you know, you more can pick and choose what clientele you're working with. And so I guess how do you decipher that? You know, how do you work out the the, the process of, you know, is this the right client for me? Um, you know, I think that's something I found in the past couple of years uh, I made the mistake of is, is taking on clients that ended up being the totally wrong clients for me and it ended up kind of just hurting my business in the way of, you know, extended timelines, um, yeah. not a good communication process. Like there were just, there just wasn't chemistry there. How do you decipher that? It's tough. I mean, I feel like the benefit of that I have, so I have 95, I'm the VP at a large agency and my client is assigned to me. That is what it is. I think that because that's part of my life, my my 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., my 5 p.m. to 9 a.m., I get to handpick a little bit more, like you're saying. Um, and I, there's not a lot of pressure on me to pick, uh, you know, accept everyone into my portfolio um, as it relates to my side business. Um, I think that sometimes I feel conflicted because I used to be the girl that, you know, killed and crushes rise and social. So people, friends would find out, family members would find out a friend, and then I'd randomly get phone calls like, oh, can you help my son with this thing and that thing? He's starting so-and-so. And, yeah. you know, you connect, and you're like, oh, shoot, I feel, like, slightly obligated, but, like, this is not my brand, and this is not really what I'm doing. <laughs> yep. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like the way that I've worked through that is, and I've 
and I've challenged myself to be uncomfortable, to just be, like, honest. Um, and I actually had to do it a couple weeks ago where I was just like, listen, I'm sorry, I can't move forward, but I can give you some people in my network that you could potentially work with. And of course, chat with those people first. But, you know, I was, I was proud of myself to really be like, listen, my side hustle is my side hustle. Like, that's my free time that I want to devote to brands that I feel passionate about. Like, let me live up to that and let me you know, be honest with people and try to help them, but also, you know, put myself first and my brand first. Definitely. So, um, let's talk a little bit more about, about your brand. You know, why did you, why did you start, um, you know, Alice Black Media? What, what's, um, what's your intention with that and where are you trying to take it? Yeah. Oh, my babe, Alice Black Media. I feel like, I feel like, I, for so long, was the girl who did Verizon Social, like, literally, like, that was the thing on my name, and, you know, before Verizon, my client fell fell in the blank with some big players, Um, and I wanted, I wanted to be more than that, so I kind of separated the fact that I was offering freelance service from my nine to five, as I, as I, like, cheekily call it, um, and I kind of just grouped all the freelance clients that I've been working on and took the dive about two years ago and made it, like, real official, um, gave her a name, made her LLC, everything, and kind of just went through a whole branding exercise. Um, and, and it's like, that's, like, my second pillar. So I was, I was happy that I did it because, to me, there's, like, a very clear distinction between... Um, you know, what I do within a large holding company and then what I do on my, my freelance side. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, what really drove you to, to make it, you know, you're, you're working for Verizon, you're working for this giant company, you're working with some of the biggest brands and businesses. What really made you feel like the, the calling to, to build this other business and and to dedicate your free time to to working more? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like everyone, I love money. So. <laughs> um, I also, um, you know, I feel like I've grown up in ad agencies. Um, I'm going on like 12 years in a couple of them. Um, and it's all the same thing. Like it is a large entity with large price tags for large brands. And of course there's, smaller agencies, but the ones I've been a part of were some of the largest. Um, And I wanted something that, you know, I felt like was completely transparent, like was very easy and like affordable to everybody. I feel as if um, what I offer through Alex Black and the network that, you know, works with me through Alex Black, we offer huge ad agency skills for not the same huge price. Um, And I feel like really passionate about bringing social practices to everyone. And it's not even like get us on retainer, like I'm foaming at the mouth to pay my rent. It's like a lot of education. So sometimes I'm just brought in to educate an existing team on how to do something. And then we just kind of like dip out and I feel really great about the fact that this team, this company has all the skills up to do all the things that seem very scary and like complicated. Um, 
So I think it's really, like, it's not about the money. It's really about the passion of it. And I think that's why I'm so grateful that, you know, I'm doing, I have both. Um, that, again, I'm not taking every client that's not right for me. I'm not, you know, working on things that I feel like I'm not passionate or, like, you know, motivated by. Sure. And do you feel like you really want to make, you know, Alice Black your full-time future? Like, are you trying to maybe slowly separate or are you not even really thinking about that? Like you're just doing what you're doing right now. No, I mean, it's such a good question. I feel like I, I'm like, my friends tell me how, you know, how much I motivate them and, and all these things, but like, I'm scared to do that. So, you know, like who isn't scared to break off from something consistent and like jump into a pool of like, you know, chance and doing on your own and building something up. Like I would love to one day do that. Um, but right now I feel like there's still work to be done in my nine to five. Um, and I, and I feel like I, I want to give that a bit of time and then choose to know. I mean, I feel like I pitch and I get a lot of feedback. So anything is possible, isn't it? Um, but right now, I, I'm happy juggling both. I'm pretty good at that. Awesome. And, and so I'm curious, uh, I'm not sure if you can speak on this at all, but, you know, being with uh, being with Verizon, um, how does that, I guess, like limit what you're able to do with Alice Black? Like, do you are you contractually obligated? Like you can't essentially touch any clients that were with or are with Verizon? Like, does that affect you at all? Yeah. So, of course, like any good old um, contractor comes left with terms like that. Um, the way that this is kosher is they don't, nothing that Alice Black has competes with what Verizon is doing. Um, and I myself, and I've positioned myself in areas that meet the terms of my contract. So everything is done outside of the nine to five Verizon hour, and then it picks up five to nine. So it's a pretty, um, stable schedule, if you will, um, and making sure that the two worlds are separate and that they both get a hundred percent of the time separately and nothing's kind of blending. How did you, how did you go about, um, uh, I guess like implementing that, like, did you communicate that, um, to like your coworkers? Um, I guess anyone like above you, like, what would you recommend for someone who's looking to start? you know, a business that might be in the same industry that they're already working for a company at, what would you recommend they do? Yeah. Um, I think it's very, there are fine lines. My first recommendation and step would be review the contract you already signed with the entity you're currently at, um, and make sure that you're crystal clear on what you're held to. Um, and then build the process for the, you know, your additional side piece of business, if you will, around that. So, for example, like, if you yourself cannot buy, you know, something in both, like, both areas, then don't do that. Stick to one and, you know, have someone that works for you do it somewhere else. Um, you know, I think that a lot of what I do with Alice Black, the services are not necessarily always even the same. So you know, it might as well be a pizza company. You know what I mean? So where you can really feel the stark difference is definitely, um, 
the best case. But again, like bottom line, like educate yourself, review the contracts you're signing. Um, and then if you share it with people at your existing place, that's completely up to you. Um, I'm not really one to really kind of gloat about that stuff. So it's not broadly shared, but it's not a secret. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just think it's a part of, you know, what I do and, and who I am, like you said, as my brand. I mean, it's been from the beginning that I'm constantly helping people, so it's not unheard of. Awesome. And so how do you um, leverage, you know, your experience and the fact that you are, you know, in charge um essentially a, a VP in, in social media for the third lead, uh, third largest advertising holding group. Like how do you leverage that all to your personal brand and, and kind of growing that and um, winning over clientele, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, the way that Alex Black is structured, um, I am of course the face gal and I have the social experience, but a lot of, what the rest of us do is not necessarily social. So I think that aside from just ex- being an expert in social, like advertising world has taught me how to deal with clients, how to deal with adversity, how to deal with like you're in a rut and something has royally messed up. Like how do you handle that? Um, so I think that there's tons of skills that, you know, that I've learned over the past decade plus as, as the two largest ad agencies that I was with right now being the third, um, that I'm able to take that into Alice Black and really drive the business forward, not just by skill set, but relationship building and the other services that we offer. Uh, um, real quick, I want to touch on that relationship building there. You mentioned how, how vital in, you know, you're, you're, let's say it's probably been at least what a decade now you've, you've been out kind of in the workforce. How vital has relationship building and just overall network growth been to the success you've seen thus far and in your, you know, personal development as well as kind of that, that work-life development, both that, you know, Verizon as well as with just your, you know, your personal brand with Alice Black Media. Yeah. Huge. I mean, like I think goes without saying, but it's crazy how, if you just pay attention to what's going on around you, how things come full circle. So, like, for example, you know, someone might show up and start their career at the place you're at, and they used to be a client, like, five years ago. Um, You know, or, like, one of our clients used to work within our holding company. So, like, it's crazy how people are, like, I feel like still people, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like people are still quick to like just burn a bridge. And I'm like, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like you've never wanted to do that, but I don't know. Like the more that I'm interacting with people and networking, the more I'm realizing how small like the space really is, whether it be like the advertising industry or just like marketing or you know, networking, like everyone is connected somehow to everyone. Um, and it's absolutely insane. So I try to make sure that all my interactions are really authentic and positive and just transparent. Like, even if I don't agree, um, I try to just be myself because you never know when they might be a client of mine or, you know, they might be working for me one day or something like that. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. I've had uh, plenty of instances myself where, you know, past uh, actually like I used to work for the Orlando Magic. And so, um, yeah, I was a videographer and editor there. But through that, I've actually had multiple people now that um, either still work there or used to work there that have then hired me on for a project just because of, you know, building that relationship when I was working there. Um, like one of one of my corporate, one of my big retainer clients was Jewett Orthopedic Clinic. Um, I did video work for them for a couple of years and I solely built that relationship from being a videographer for the magic. Um, but that was, you know, unbeknownst to me. It wasn't until nine months later after I left the magic that that like came into fruition. So it's it is interesting how that yeah. all can play out. Yeah, and that story proof that like people are watching. Like they're paying attention to how you handle things. Like, you know, I try to lead my team like, you know, this is like it can get it couldn't get any more clear than this. But, like if I get forwarded what you wrote to someone, are you gonna be embarrassed about it? Like are you gonna <laughs> wish you didn't, are you gonna wish you didn't say that? Like if that's how you feel, you, that it could possibly be, then, like, that's probably not the right thing to say. I mean, it's like there's a lot of people on my team that are young and they're working through their own kind of corporate identity and how they make relationships. And I feel like in advertising, it's very, like, you know the culture. It's like vans and hats and tattoos and everyone's cool (laughs) you know it's very relaxed and like sometimes the the lines like blur between you know friends and and co-workers so you know definitely something that I think is like like people are sleeping on it but like it's definitely something that's like not really top of mind um I think especially in in something as relaxing culture as advertising, but the people are watching, they'll hire you later or they specifically will not. (laughs) Truth. Um, yeah, I want to talk on that a bit some more. Um, you mentioned your team. And so I, I think it's you, you kind of manage, I believe it's like somewhere between 20 and 30 individuals, correct? Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, what is that? like how how have you what have you learned in the process of kind of you know managing multiple people um micromanaging making sure tasks are done on time and effectively like what 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 advice do you have for any listeners here that are you know trying to you know build a tree build a team and and kind of make sure that the that dynamic is fruitful for everyone involved yeah I don't know if you heard my big sigh, but it happened over here. Um, I feel like first and foremost, my team is exquisite. And I think that um, they teach, I I know they teach me something every single day. So those are definitely two top things to look for in talent. But I will say to anyone that's, you know, hiring or looking to build or expand their team or just needs tips to do it right. Um, I truly believe that everyone needs to be managed differently. Um, Some people need to vent it out. Some people don't want to talk to you at all. Some people um, need to have an emotional connection with you. And then there are people who just like 
need you to shoot straight and want immediate, very critical feedback so that they can improve because this is work and you're not their friend. So there are so many different um, personalities in a group that gets to be as large as mine. Um, that it's important for me to give them each what they need to be successful. Um, and it's tough sometimes. I mean, I do have, you know, direct reports and, you know, how we call it, lieutenants, but, you know, I definitely am um, a pillar in the group. I started the whole department. I launched it in 2017, and, and I took it over from a managed service, and the agency took it in-house, and I launched it with three people, just the three of us, and now we're in the 20s. Um, 24, I think, last time that I've counted this week. So it's a lot. It's definitely different, and I can't give everybody that, you know, specialized one-on-one attention, but it's my job to make sure that we are leading each of them in that way. So I think that ways that I get feedback from my team that they appreciate me or some of my qualities that are transparent, I would always recommend that to anyone that's leading a group. Even if some things are hard to you know, comprehend or understand or take on. It's just always the best way to be transparent. Um, I'm always, um, like, I'm really making sure that that I'm at the forefront of everything that's negative. Um, So I do take the burden of a lot. There's a lot that they don't know about. Um, And when something goes wrong, they, I'm pleased that they tell me honestly the truth, every single detail of it, because I'm not anybody's parent. Like there's no yelling. Um, <laughs> there's no, hey, we don't go into timeout. Like we're all adults. And the only way for me to fix it and help the situation is if I know everything. So I, I think that like we talked about relationship building with clients, like relationship building with your team is it's not more important because I truly believe if they're not happy, then I'm not going to be happy. Like, if they're not feeling positive and appreciated and challenged, then they're not going to do their jobs the way that I need them to do it. Um, So that was a lot of tips. But I think that for the most part, everyone is different. Anything can happen. I've been through some insane situations that unfortunately paperwork and NDAs won't allow me to discuss, but, um, anything can happen. Um, and I, I feel like encouraging them to be honest and transparent and teaching each other and being kind are some of the things that really work for me and have allowed me to create a really great culture that people don't, people want to say as the highest retention rate, I have the largest team and you know, it's working. So I just make sure that I reuse and I recycle and I teach my new managers to, you know, lead like that and build their own version of that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I got a lot of admiration for you there. Cause that's, um, that's awesome. Um, and definitely a challenge. And I think, I think you, you might've, I don't know if you said it intentionally, but I think immediately that speaks volumes and on the fact that you said that they all kind of, when something goes wrong, they, they tell you immediately and they tell the truth on it. I think that yeah. speaks volumes. Cause I just know like growing up, for instance, like 
me and a bunch of friends from high school, like we had one of the like craziest high school football coaches. This guy, like one halftime was squeezing a cow heart and then like chucking it at the wall. Like he was just crazy. So like anytime you messed up, like you were scared shitless to tell him, like you could not tell him, you know? And so like, I think that speaks a lot. Like when you're someone that, you know, is a voice of authority that people have to take seriously and know isn't joking around when you're not joking around, but also is someone that they can, you know, come to and, and trust, uh, if, if something's going wrong, whether that's in, in the work or, you know, in personal life. So I think, I think that's really cool, um, that, that you've been able to foster that culture. Yeah, it's important. I mean, and I will say that we've had some, you know, people on the team that are no longer on the team and that culture was kind of rocked and tested and, you know, I had to make decisions that were tough, but ultimately are for the greater group. And I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm an Aquarius, but um, (laughs) I feel like very passionate about the team culture. And I think that, um, if that is uneasy, like negativity and people wanting to leave is like poison on like steroids. Like they, they all will start feeling it. They all will start kind of drinking from that, you know, bu- bucket of Kool-Aid. And then I have a huge problem where, you know, the door out is being slammed as quickly as it's opening. So, you know, I feel that from the beginning, it was very important to me that they understood that I you know, I mean business when we're, when we're working and we're doing our job, but you know, when we have team lunch, like I mean fun and I mean culture and I mean, what's your favorite things to do? Let's get to know each other. And I think that that goes a long way for some people that they're not just clocking in and clocking out. They're a part of something. Um, and, and like you said, I don't, I don't want them to fear me. I didn't always used to be, um, loved more than I was feared, but I had to learn that. Um, it wasn't working and I had to adjust as a manager. That's awesome. Love, love hearing it. Um, I want to, I want to keep, uh, keep building off this a little bit more. I know. Um, so you touched on, um, in our kind of our email exchanges, we touched on the feminism movement, um, girl power, but I know you talked about how you said you're not a girl boss, you're a boss. Um, Mm -hmm. so I wanted, I wanted us to dive into that. You know, what is, what is the difference between a boss and a girl boss in your mind? Um, and if you could just speak a little bit on like your passion behind, you know, the feminist movement and, and what it means to you and, and what you're trying, what you're trying to, I guess, take from that and implement into your daily life as well as, you know, in your work life, both at Verizon as well as with Alice Black Media. Yeah. Well, before all the ladies gasp and stop listening to me, (laughs) I will say that, like you said, like, I do see myself as a feminist. Um, We've talked about about that. Um, I do believe in equality and I do believe in treating everybody equally. So that said, um, I don't identify with being a girl boss. I, yes, I do identify with being a boss. And I, I honestly feel passionate about this and I've had, you know, deep conversations with friends and, um, kind of people I've met at networking events that feel the same and, um, coworkers. And I think it's, it's really just being a feminist, like I'm whispering it because maybe it won't land so hard, but <laughs> I feel like you meet people who are so 
radically feminist that their actual viewpoints are segregating other genders. Yeah. And I have a hard time with that. Um, I have a hard time with um, being labeled as a girl boss instead of just being someone, a person who is kicking ass or really cares about XYZ or whatever the case is. Um, I don't necessarily think that, well, I'll rephrase this. My experiences have lent themselves to be positive as it relates to males and females in the workspace. So I'm not saying that other women have been through hell and high water. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that my experiences are not that. And I've had positive experiences with male coworkers and male bosses. And I've had negative experiences with female coworkers and female bosses. So... I think through all of that um, and my time at, you know, some of the female co-working spaces and, you know, participating and showing up to women's marches, like, I don't identify with the girl part of the boss. Like, I just want to be a boss. Um, and that's kind of shocking to some people given how unbelievably successful I, I am to date at a young age. But I think that the more people get to know me, the more that kind of shines through. No, yeah, I mean, I, I love the way you say that, you know, because I think, I don't know, I mean, sometimes, to me, I, I think I kind of side or lean lean towards the way you think and that, um, you know, when you say girl boss, I almost feel like it's putting that emphasis on the fact that they are a girl when re in reality, you know, it's yeah. just like st stating boss, like that is just, that is the descriptive word for who you are. Like, it doesn't necessarily, you right. don't need the application of girl or boy. Like, yeah. it's gender neutral. Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> if we said girl boss, then does that mean boss is masculine? Like, I just, like, I don't, like, I have a lot of questions, and I feel like, you know, going to, I showed up at a women's march in New York City, and just like some of the signs, like, so I turned to someone and I was like, so are you, are you ready to hold the door for all the men? And are you ready to propose to your boyfriend? Like, no, you're not. The answer is no. <laughs> you don't want, you want them to hold the door for you and you want your boyfriend to propose to you. So I think that like, there are very radical versions of everything in life. I mean, like turn on the news, right? But yeah. I feel like the women's empowerment movement is is real. It should always be people, you know, women supporting women, but it, it should be people supporting people. I mean, yes. I feel like what? Why are we labeling it? Um, because I don't know. I I just I don't have the same experiences, and I'm I'm in, in empathetic to a fault, but. I I just don't see it. And I think the stories that I hear that I've been a part of and witnessed at events and disagreed with, like there were things that if you weren't identifying with your gender, like would you have stood up for yourself? Would you have shown teeth? And then like, no, this is the way it needs to be for me or no, thank you. So here's a so, tough, tough question for you here. So 
how do we individually and as a society, how do we enhance and, and move the dialogue forward? Because I think we're really we're really hitting hitting the nail on the head right now in that, you know, it's really just the fact that there's such a strong miscommunication in the dialogue and how people, you know, again, because, you know, we all kind of interpret and see the world through our own window, if you will. Um, uh-huh. I feel like that's our biggest issue is there's this there's this lack of understanding and what one means when one says, you know, the difference between boss or girl boss and the the difference between um, having respect and equality for both genders, but not necessarily giving up, um, you know, the um, notions or complementary features of uh, two to or like, for instance, again, you know, like opening the door for the woman or proposing, um, you know, how do we enhance that, that dialogue to kind of, I guess, have everyone come to a better understanding of, of, you know, equality amongst genders and religions, ethnicities, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's tough, but it's really not. I mean, like, so I was a part of a co-working space that didn't allow men in the building. Like, my youngest brother believes in equality for the sake of the story. He's a homosexual man, and he was not allowed in the building. Like, he literally believed in equal rights for all human beings, and he was told he couldn't come in. So, like, I literally was very confused by that because I'm like, okay, cool, look at this. Look at this brand really trying to shine light on something and then full stop like you're a part of the problem in the reverse yeah so i feel like that is the way to not do it um and i i totally get behind the fact that like the design was meant to have a space where women could feel safe i completely get that but to turn someone away from something just because of their gender is the problem and is why there are so many women at the women's marches, right? So it's like, it's confusing to me. Um, so I feel like on a macro level, that would be a way to do it, would be opening up the doors to everyone. If, you know, so many amazing women are inside this co-working space, like let's invite the opposite gender in to like learn how to work with us and learn how to, you know, understand why we're emotional or why we're passionate about things. Instead of saying, like, no, thanks, you can't come in. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, like, a very macro level. On a micro level, like, interpersonal, like, I can tell you what I do. Um, and I think that my team calls it, like, my team calls it Sarah Bad Bitch Energy. So, <laughs> I can describe what that means. Um, but I really just act like I have no limits because of my gender. So I am a part of the good old boys club, that quote unquote thing. Like I'm sometimes the only woman in the room. Um, when I speak, people listen. They might not agree, but they definitely give me perspective listening to what I'm saying and I feel heard. And I am paid equal. And I know that for a fact. So I feel like we can all be a part of positive change if we act like it. Um, and that's kind of all I can control is myself. And so that's the way that I go through my daily, um, 
life and when I'm in the office, like that's the way that I behave. And when people come over to my desk and there's a conversation loud enough that other people can hear it and it's questionable, I don't back down because I'm a female and I'm not, I'm not acting a certain way because I'm a girl boss. Like I act like a boss. I act like someone who is a person who knows, you know, what is what. And that's just kind of how I carry the conversation in public situations and one-on-ones with my boss and HR when we're talking about pay. So, you know, I feel like we say like in our world when we're dealing with a lot of like the privacy um, GDPR stuff online and cookies and all that, like, what do they say? Like, safety is everyone's responsibility. Like, so is this. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And, and I I was at an event and someone was speaking and she said that she moved her job to another state for her company and she didn't get the pay she wanted. And I felt sorry for her because why'd you take the job if you're not upset? Like yeah. If you're not upset, you didn't get the pay that you feel you are valued at, and I'm sure you are. Why'd you take it? Like, you know, so I just think, like, if we really, like, start acting the way that we want to be treated, then things will, the tides may shift, I hope. Yeah, so you think it's kind of, um, I'm like blanking on the word here. Um, you think people are kind of acting one way or, you know, saying one thing but acting another, essentially? Like, well, like I guess, like- where where are your thoughts? I guess this, this is like a better question for it. So, you know, obviously right now I'm past almost full four years now I've been working for myself full time, um, which is great. But with that, you know, I have a lack of seeing you know, the, the corporate sphere, you know, the corporate workspace and kind of being involved in that on a daily basis. So like from your perspective, um, from when you first entered the workforce to today, how much has, you know, the equality sphere spectrum, how much has it shifted? Um, how hopeful are you for the future? Like, where do you think we sit at today when it comes to equality in the works in the workspace? I think that more than ever, like, women are are feeling empowered and strong, um, so that's good. Like, I think that my message to the woman who was sharing the job that she didn't like was, like, where, is, where, are, your, where are your teeth? Like, let's see some fight. Like, and I feel <laughs> yeah. like that sometimes, yeah, I feel like, you know, I tell my team, like, no one cares more about you than you, and that includes me. So, like, if you're not going to fight for yourself and you're not going to say, you know, I really want that promotion and I'm and I'm not up for it and I should be by every XYZ scenario. And so instead of giving 120%, I'm going to give 90% and I'm going to feel good about that. Like, that, that's the way that I would handle that. But in share sessions with, that I've been in, people are upset because they continue to give 110% and they're like, why am I not, why am I not getting compensated for this? Like no one cares. No one sees me. And I'm like, you can only control yourself. Like that's my point is scale back, do 90, go home early, take up painting because you say you love that so much and like make the change for yourself and not be the only one that's angry when something is not 
you know, equal. So I feel like, I feel like I'm on a tangent, but that's a good one. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it is important for us all to continue to be strong, to continue to show teeth. And if we really want to make it about gender, like let's just, devil's advocate and throw my hands up in the air very dramatically like let's all start acting like men I mean if we want to look at it as two-sided then let's all start acting like men and not tolerating numbers we wouldn't pay ourselves and not staying late because no one else is and all those types of things like I would love to continue and see more women have peace in a non-aggressive way but but in a way that's empowering and motivating like I've been around plenty of strong highly successful women that are that are really carrying out the girl boss message but they're so aggressive about it that it's turning everyone off including other women yeah so I feel like it's a very it's a fine line like you have to to me like personally I can tell you myself and I'm not angry by it and maybe that's the difference is like, I want to act the way that I want to be treated. And that's me just being a person and standing up for things that I believe are right. And when I feel like something is wrong, like I speak up and I think that without even realizing, like I am teaching the females around me that too. Um, and I think maybe that's what it takes is to have everyone just keep showing teeth and keep fighting and keep, you know, believing that they're equal because we should be. Everyone should be, no matter what your pronoun is. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Kind of somewhat in the same realm, but we're going to, we're going to transition just a little bit here. Stick with me. Um, <laughs> so um, what advice would you have for anyone who, you know, is looking for their passion or their calling. Um, anyone who's listening who might be lost, um, you know, trying to find themselves in this crazy world of 2020 we live in. Yeah, that's a big one, Kyle. Um, <laughs> I, so I would recommend that you really whatever comes to mind when you, you get asked, like, what makes you happy? Like, don't even think. The first three times will come to your mind. Like, you should be doing that. And maybe you're saying, well, I can't make money off that. Well, you can. Like, think of how many small businesses are popping up everywhere. Think about how many, you know, small businesses pop up. Hedge fund companies are popping up specifically to fund female businesses. Like, there is everything for everything these days, and you can sell it anywhere. Etsy, um, eBay, like your own website, Squarespace. So, like, I would ask anyone listening, like, what makes you happy? Because at the end of the day, like, I'll get stressed out about something, and then I'll tell myself, like, I'm just selling cell phones. Like, we're just selling cell phones. We're not. We're not really in the health industry, helping find amazing cures for terrible diseases. We're just selling cell phones. So I would challenge everyone to figure out what makes you happy and then try to monetize that because that's what I did. That's what I did. It led me to my third stream of income where I teach 
and I wanted to be a teacher, but I like nice designer handbags and a lot of them, and I knew I couldn't get all that. So <laughs> I stuck with my nine to five, and then I found a way to also teach and really fill that void that makes me happy um, and helps other people because that's what I like to do. So. I, I feel like it makes me sad when people tell me, like, oh, I love to do this, but I don't think I can make a career out of it. Like, yes, you can. Like, it's 2020. You can. I love how self-aware you are. Uh, I'm not sure if you're super self-aware that you're self-aware, but you're very self-aware. <laughs> Thank you. I am self-aware. That's why when I'm in a dramatic mode or I'm very angry, like I let people know that I know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But I, I need to do it. Yeah. No, I hear you. How, um... How have you developed that over the years and how, like, do you have any examples, instances or ways you could like speak on how that's, that's benefited, um, your life, both personally and professionally? I know for me, just self-awareness has been like a huge thing the past like year and a half, two years for me, um, yeah. just like overall like self-growth and development. So just be curious yeah. as to like how that's impacted your career. Yeah. Um, I feel, I don't know, like, where I learned it, um, but I think I learned it by, through consequence, so, like, I would, I, something would happen when, let's say, a friendship, and I would act a certain way, and I knew what I was doing and why I was doing it, but I wasn't really vocal about it, so I, I recall trying to really, like, hone in on what was going on, so, like, I guess before, you know, in February intentions and writing down all those journals was cool. Like I was doing it in my head. Um, but the way it manifested itself at work, um, I am very self-aware in the decisions that I make that are labeled emotional. And I feel like you're going to want to talk about that. So we'll pause there. <laughs> and then in my in my personal life with my amazing boyfriend and my wonderful family and friends um I'm self-aware and it manifests itself in that I call attention to like what's happening it's kind of like an outward monologue like um you know like whether I'm feeling a certain way and I just need like positive affirmation or attention um I'll kind of tee it up to, like, a friend, like, hey, I'm trying to, like, take a couple breaths. Like, this isn't that big of a deal, right? Um, And so I try to talk through it like that. But I feel like every month some of my intentions are to, like, walk myself off the ledge that makes me stressed or dramatic or, you know, any kind of negative, very, like, high blood pressure type of shift. But, um... I think that I know exactly what I'm doing every time I do it. And I think that, I think all that works that kind of intimidates some people because I am very in control of what I'm putting out there, whether that be, um, like a stern direction or, you know, telling someone, no, it will not be that way. Um, it's very calculated. It has, intention and I'm very much in control of it so I think it works my team believes that like nothing's going to penetrate them with me in front 
and then it works with other people because I'm not I'm not here to play games. Like we're gonna talk to each other respectfully, we're gonna work together and we're gonna move forward. Um but so yeah, I feel like it benefits my personal life a lot more because um it just leads to better relationships, if we're really honest. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. You know, I, I'm sure that plays a huge role in, in managing, you know, just general fear, stress and like anxiety slash insecurity. But I'm curious if you have like any other like specific, um, I guess, like person personality traits that you've developed or maybe even like more specifically like techniques you have for better managing, you know, fear, stress, anxiety. I mean, obviously there, there has to be a lot of that that comes that comes comes up for you, you know, being working for such a huge company like Verizon, as well as having, you know, a business of your own, having a relationship yeah. with a boyfriend, family, friends like it's giving me a headache just saying all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you can react to feel like the answer, but I feel like a lot of what I do and what bothers me and how I get through it comes back to just being resourceful and I say that in a way that um you're right like you know my siblings joke and I overheard someone on my team talking to my brother about like how amazing I am and how humble I am about it about how good I am at it but the truth of the matter is that it's not easy like I I make it look easy quote unquote, because I'm resourceful. So I am one of 13 direct reports for my boss. So that's a lot. Like that means that he does not have a lot of time. So he has to do what he has to do. And then he has to make sure we're all okay. Like that's, that's unheard of. So I know that he cares about me and all these things. And so I'm not angry about any of that. I become very resourceful. So if something comes through my inbox or there's a problem, I'm not stressed out because I can't get him. I am being resourceful and going to an alternate team or going straight to the group or figuring out on my own and then solving for it. So I feel like it's not that I handle the stress well. It's that I'm trying to avoid... 20 things and I really just have to deal with like eight um so there's not that many things or situations that cause me to become like unhinged I'm really just trying to be resourceful and create contact with every single working team within our entire organization so that I can get things done for me for my group for my boss so that he can just get the high fives and you know I make him look good because that's important um but yeah, I mean, it's crazy because it's not like a really big secret, but I also, but something that stands out to me is that when I graduated from the uh, University of Central Florida, I was a part of this like intern program that was available only to people like in my college or something. And I read the reviews after the fact from all of the businesses that participated. And they said that by far UCF students were the most, um, they lacked resourcefulness. And they did not try to solve something before they were shut out or before they went to their boss or, 
you know, started acting like they failed. Um, and maybe now that we're talking about it, that stuck with me. That was like 2012. So maybe that's where I got it. But, um, thank God you did. Thank God you did. That is like that ticked a nerve. I want to talk about that. Like, how do you deal? How do you deal with employees slash clients who don't like who aren't resourceful or don't know how to take initiative. Like there, there'll be times when, um, like I'll just have like fellow, uh, you know, cinematographers that I work with on gigs here and again, like they'll ask me about a, a piece of gear or like lighting equipment or like how to do this. And I'm just like, Hey, there's this great thing, uh, that you can check out. It's spelled G O O G L. Like, you know, it's like, come on. Like you're asking me or like, they'll ask, like, I'll tell them the, the name of a location for a shoot. And then they'll ask me for the specific address. It's like, yeah, you're not resourceful enough to Google it and see what the address yeah. is. Like, come on now. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Um, Help me out here. I'm struggling, Sarah. It's bad. I mean, it's hard to teach someone out of it. Like, you know, earlier, it, you know, when you were talking, you mentioned micromanaging, which is something I don't do, but it's something that I I do in that regard. So, like, if it's my team and it's not my alpha client, um, I will kind of cheekily be like, what do you think the answer is? And it scares people. Um, They don't want to, like, be like, oh, I don't know. I didn't Google it. You know, like, (laughs) so with my team that I can be a little, that I can push on them a little bit and encourage them to grow in that category, I'm doing that all day. Um, And I think that it's tough. I mean, so I don't know if we talked about this, but my office, uh, my nine-to-five office is in New York City, Manhattan. And I live in Town, Florida. So for the last three years, I was there. And in October, I moved back to Boca, where I, where I grew up with my boyfriend. And so I work remote. I travel to New York once a week, or excuse me, once a month for a week. And I work out of the New York office, and I'm there, and, and everything's great. But majority of the time during the month, I'm here in South Florida. So... That change of dynamic and change of my team not seeing me physically every day called for a lot of resourcefulness. Um, And it really pushed them, I think, to the test to figure things out before they're IMing me or calling me or texting me because they can't see if I'm busy or not. And I think that um, a lot of them see me as this, like, patience in that process like I mean like how do you how do you know you're working in the right direction or that they're growing and becoming more resourceful like you just keep an eye on it how how did you kind of work through that over the course of the the months after kind of making that transition yeah so normally when I'm asking a question I already I know the answer to it um and so when I'm asking you know we're working on a project and I want 
so-and-so to lead it and improve it by X percentage. Um, and I have them come back to me with, you know, where they're at or I check in a week later, I can really see where their resourcefulness lies. If they've done nothing or it's one slide and it's just their interpretation of it versus like other teams' opinions or the creative teams' opinions, like that really tells me a lot. And then I, I give it in my feedback to say like, let's challenge yourself to think through this and get an opinion from this party that we work with. Could this process work? And I think it's through like constructive free feedback, excuse me, that they know that I'm going to ask. So they just do it. Um, and then it becomes like a habit and they don't even realize that's some of the feedback that I've gotten from some of them that have started really junior with me and then grown into like supervisors is that they they learned it without, like, through my feedback. Like, they knew that I would hold them accountable to it, so they they started doing it, and then they realized they had a skill. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's rad. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I guess I'm lucky. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's tough. I mean, also, like, I think they find comfort in just, like, going to the person next to them and being like, hey, what's this? And it's like... yeah. You have to understand that, like, the person next to you is in the middle of something. And, like, by you doing that, they have to stop what they're doing, and then they have to do it for you. So I think that what's on my side that I've not taught them is that they just, like, genuinely are really kind and enjoy one another, so they don't want to do that to their neighbor. Um, so that's also on my side. Absolutely. Um so this is kind of a twofold. So you live, you kind of, uh, you're in an interesting space in that, you know, you, you, you live in the nine to five world, but you also have that, obviously that entrepreneurial spirit. So, um, there's, there's plenty of people I think out there listening, uh, to this podcast, uh, you know, that might not necessarily be an entrepreneur at heart. Um, but they want to continue to better themselves and see success. So for someone who might not be able to measure like, as tangible results in regards to success of like building your own business and brand, like how, what advice would you give them? Or like, how do you personally define success in like the realm of like your corporate, your corporate job? Like how do you define yeah. success? How do you motivate yourself? How do you set goals to, to kind of push yourself to continue to strive and make um, progress, you know, each and every year? Yeah. Um, well, so in my world, I'm responsible for, you know, like, scopes of work and year-over-year how we're, like, earning money as an agency. Um, So that is very tangible in the way that I hire, I recruit and hire talent um, and maintain their continued learning and my expectations for them in the way that we will be able to plus up each of those things. So, like, I mean, I'm a lot of things, but... People know, like, don't, don't fuck with me. Like, we will deliver on a a product. It will be the way that it will be flawless. And, you know, that's it. It, Like, how we get there, it could change. It could be long. It could be short. It could be painful. It could be enjoyable. But, you know, like, the team around me, um, under me, they're brilliant. And so I demand that from them every single time so that we can be successful and I can reach my goals and my boss's body. People around me 
in turn, that's, I mean, I shouldn't do it by myself. Like, I'm, people joke that at, like, president levels that I breed Navy SEALs. <laughs> I love that. I mean, maybe I do, but... I'm just one piece of it, you know, like they are writing their own stories and it wouldn't be the the word on the street without them. So I think that I see, I see success in that way, making sure we're profitable in more areas, but also like for anyone listening who's not in a position that has the role and responsibility, like what I just described, just pick anything, like pick one thing. Like, and I hate when pe- new people come in and they're like, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to pick seven things and make them better. Like, you can't. Like, no one can. Like, pick one thing and evaluate where it's at. Try to understand what can make it better. Bring other people in to collaborate and get their opinions. And then see through whatever that process is to take it from, you know, A to B. And then claim success and on that on that B category, right? I think what people don't do, because what I just described is not foreign to some people, but what some people don't do is they don't brag. Like, they're not professionally gloating, and that's very, like, taboo, and I'm here to tell you that it's not. Um, I make sure that my team wins are written up and are broadly shared. And it's all about tone, it's all about how you do it, knowing your audience, but you have to be... You have to be sharing your wins, otherwise they just go into this pile that no one ever talks about. So anyone that's listening, that could be anything. I mean, it's no secret that the iPhone's going to come out and they're going to make something new and cool. I have some people on my team, like, what is that new cool thing? Go to all the partners, ask them for XYZ, and let's blow this thing out. Let this be a huge win for us in, in Q3. And... And let's take it all the way home and then let's put together a recap and let's present it in front of the whole agency. So, like, that is the actual way that you can you can do that. You don't have to be, you know, creating a new business, but pick anything in what you do. You could, you could be in my line of business. You could be in your line of business. You could be a painter. Like, anything. Pick something that you don't think is as good as it can be and make it better. And then professionally brag about it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You got to gloat a little bit. You got to gloat a little bit. Yeah, it's not always done. And it's, you know, you know, telling someone I took it from 3% to 10% is professionally bragging. People know right then, like, you made it better. Um, and I feel like that's not done a lot. You know, I, you know, I have people on my team that I get called in to help other projects, and I'll send someone from my team there, and they'll do an amazing job. Like, the president will email me and tell me how amazing this person was and, you know, had to be part of my leadership and all these things. Like, let's brag about it. Let's get this in front of XYZ and make sure that people know that you were a part of it. There's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Not at all. Um, Sarah, I think we've gotten some great content in here, but before we kind of start wrapping up, um, I wanted to ask... 
So, you know, a big focus of this podcast is just how you can find, you know, more life, you know, how you can get more out of your life, find more happiness. So what would you recommend to our listeners? Um, Any pieces of advice you have, whether that's, you know, just go for a run every morning, um, start taking hot yoga lessons. What, What advice would you have for our listeners on, you know, how they can find more life, more happiness in their day to day? Yeah, I would say at the minimum, pick an hour of the day and unapologetically dedicate it to you. It could be researching a new recipe you want to make that night in the middle of work chaos and and you escaping. It could be like you said, running in the morning. It could be that yoga or art class that you're putting off and actually doing it. But I think doing more things for you instead of, you know, your client or who you work for or all these things, like, an hour for you unapologetically every day is something that I've been trying to really do and it's, and it's working for me. Awesome. Love that. Um, <laughs> what, um, actually before, before, uh, get there, what, uh, what are some areas our, our uh, listeners can find you at? Like what, what are your socials? What's your website? Where, where can they get in touch? If maybe they have some questions, concerns for you or, or maybe they want to hire Alice Black. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I everywhere personally branded. I'm at Sarah Alice Newton everywhere. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Alice Black's all over the internet as well. Uh, best place is um, our website, aliceblackmedia.com. And the best way to contact me is on there. And whether you want to talk about Alice Black or agency or something personal you can find me there awesome is there anything i should have asked you that i didn't Mm, no i think you got it all awesome so last question um like to kind of pose this for all our our uh, guests here on the podcast so if you could only leave the audience with one message so we've, we've got an hour long podcast, but for whatever reason, everything goes blank in their mind except one message. What would that one message be for our listeners? I would say that fortune favors the bold. So show some teeth. <laughs> I love it. That would be it. <laughs> Short and sweet and to the point. It's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for making the time, Sarah. Um, this has been a awesome podcast episode. It's been great to get uh, you know your personal insight and advice. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners have thoroughly enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, really admire what you're doing and really appreciate you making the time. So thank you again and thank you all for listening. If you all enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review and share this with your friends and family. There is someone that needs this message here and today, here and now. Do not let them miss out on it. Send it to them. You know who they are. I'm watching. I'm Kyle Loftus of Podcast More Life. Signing out.